First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes what? Hey, welcome to Then Comes What, a monthly show where we open up everything you wanted to know, and some things you didn't, about love, sex, marriage, children, manhood, womanhood, and more. Hey everybody, welcome to Then Comes What. This is Nathan Umberson. I'm, of course, your humble and obedient host. We've got three pastors here. That's the Then Comes What quality guarantee. Three of them. We've got Pastor Jacob Menzel. How you doing, Jake? Good. How are you? Marvelous. We've got Pastor Tim Bailey. Hello, Tim. Hello, Nate. And, of course, Pastor Max Carell. Hi. And this episode is dropping in December, so we're going to talk about Christmas. I saw a tweet the other day by somebody or other, I have no idea who, who just said, well, every Christian podcast is going to do their podcast on whether we should celebrate Christmas or how we should celebrate Christmas. And I thought, that's a good idea. We're a Christian <laughs> podcast. Let's do one of those. <laughs> Cutting edge. <laughs> Cutting edge. <laughs> no, I just thought... Swimming upstream, baby. Okay, so I'm going to be honest with our listeners. I'm a little afraid of this topic because I'm not sure where we're going to go with it or what we're going to say. L- l- let me ask you this, guys, this. When I say the word Christmas, does it have good associations for you? Is it something that you like? Is it a celebration of Christ's birth for the three of you? Like, would you think of it that way? Or do you think of it as a concession to the kids and to the advertisers, something that we kind of have to get through and it's just a thing we do and it doesn't really matter that much? I mean, where, where is everybody even at in terms of Christmas? Uh, you say the word Christmas, I think baggage. I think about the baggage of my childhood and I think about the joy of what Christmas has become for me and my family, maybe in response to that. There there's my tweetable answer. There's your that. tweetable answer. It's okay. Baggage. Maybe we'll come we'll color in <laughs> we'll color that in a little bit in a second. Max, what do you think when I say Christmas? Well you ask about it whether it was a concession to the kids and I always think of Halloween as the concession to the kids. Christmas with me, I grew up in the consumer child generation. Mm-hmm. And so Christmas was, what's the name of that movie with Ralphie? Oh, uh, Christmas Christmas Story. Story. Yeah, so Christmas was kind of like that, only my parents weren't that separated from the church couple, but they were, we did the Christmas in the home, we did the lights, we did the glitz, and also we did the church, and we did caroling, and we did all those kinds of things as well. As I've grown older, I find myself trying to separate out the things that are just glitz, and still enjoy colored lights because I like colors. I like lights with colors on them. So is it like get rid of the glitz or just know well, the difference? Get rid of the consumerism. I mean, literally, you know, in the in that movie, for instance, the kid is, or in other some movies, I don't know which ones, the kids actually are counting how many gifts they have, and and the kids are sitting. I can't stand the idea of children sitting around a tree and the avarice. Mm-hmm. as they just tear open package after package after package, and they don't even realize what they've torn open the last time. And that doesn't mean, though, that gift-giving is bad, but how do you discipline that kind of thing? Because that's really more what the consumerism was when I was growing up. It was where Walmart came with their Christmas, or then it was Kmart, right? Kmart, then everything was the Christmas season. That's when all the sales was made. It was toys, kids poured over magazines seeing what they wanted for Christmas, but it, 
You know, it was it was a lot of just gimme, gimme, gimme. And gift giving is great. And gift receiving is great. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. What do you think, Tim, about Christmas? I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. When I was a little kid, my parents used to play the Messiah nonstop, Handel's Messiah. And so that's very much bound in with Christmas for me. They also would play King's College Choir, Records of Carols. I would still say that the most positive part of Christmas to me are Christmas carols. Hmm. The Hilliard Ensemble was based out of here, the music school. I had a favorite old carol CD that I would listen to over and over again. Some people may know the song, Jesus Christ, the Apple Tree. That's probably the best known song on the CD. And one year, um, Dan Cole, who's now the uh, music pastor down at First President Columbia, South Carolina, he was here and he set up a, an octet of people with voices from Jacob's School of Music. And I didn't know it, but they put on one Sunday evening exactly that CD. And I'm telling you, I knew it inside and out, and they put it on, and it was people I loved and who were Christians, and it was like maybe the most special thing I've ever had at Christmas, to have them singing this music about the birth of Jesus and about Mary and Joseph and Bethlehem. So music, I think, is the most positive. Uh, you know, to get into my DNA, the negative is that for years, my father was depressed at Christmas because that's when he'd lost his third and oldest son, who was had an accident Christmas night and died a couple weeks later. And so every year we'd give him bah humbug gifts. You say third and oldest son, you mean, for the listener, the third son he lost, who was yeah. also his oldest. Well, yeah, and... We don't want to think of children as being fungible, <laughs> but an oldest son is an oldest son. Sorry to say it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I did not fit the bill, and I knew it, you know, but that wasn't why it was sad. It was sad because dad was sad. He'd make efforts. He'd dress up like Santa Claus. He had a big white beard, and he'd go around and knock on all the doors of the homes in the neighborhood. We had a small little neighborhood, and ho, 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 you know, but- if I can jump to today, I very much believe we should celebrate Christmas. I cannot imagine us not celebrating the birth of Jesus in all its romanticism and sentimentality. I think that a little baby in a woman's womb, and this is God Almighty. If this isn't something to party and sing and eat about and drink about, you know, I don't know what is. And I do think that you know, the whole question of opening a bunch of gifts, I abhor that too, David, um, Max. I call him David because I love the name David. Because His name my is David Max. His first name. Yeah. Because Max my brother, yeah, 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 yeah. And so everybody else calls Pastor Carell Max. I call him David. My brother's name is David. I just, I love David. So anyhow, you speaking about the gifts, yeah, I hate that. And I'm not sure how you can get around that while you were talking, I was thinking that one of the things that I think we should do is we should think about gift giving much earlier than we do. And we should think about what we would like to give each child. Some years I do that, some years I don't. And if I've ever put thought, and it's really thought that needs to be put into gifts, it's not money. Because once you have a thought that you like, you don't care what the money is. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I was remembering one year when I was, I think, out in 
I don't know where I was. It was a mall that had unusual stores, you know, not the cookie cutter crud. And there was this one store that was uh, Scandinavian sweaters. And I went in there. I just began to think about the women in my life. My wife and my five daughters, three natural and two daughters-in-law. And so I went in and I bought them all the same sweater. It was an Irish cable knit. People listening are probably thinking, you are insane to buy any clothes for any woman, let alone (laughs) you're going to buy it for your wife and your five daughters. But I think all of them love the sweater. It was just a beautiful sweater. And I got such joy from giving it. I think we have to return to that being what we do at Christmas, that we give gifts to people that we think will be nice for them, and we take risks with it. Mm. And we don't ask them, what do you want? We ask ourselves, what do I want to give them? So that's, and then we should stop and, and we should watch people open gifts, which militates against having so many gifts. Maybe a good way to talk about this is this. I remember happy Christmases until the age I was about 10 or something. And then I realized that my parents weren't getting along. And then their marriage started to disintegrate through my teenage years. And then at a certain point, they separated. For whatever reason, Christmas and maybe Thanksgiving, dad would visit. So the family would be together. But my parents weren't actually together, which is a crummy idea, by the way. If anyone was wondering. Amen. <laughs> but here's, here's a good way to ruin your your children's love of Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, well, so I became completely sick. The only way that I knew how to deal with the, the cognitive dissonance. And by the way, the kids begged for it. So really? huh. be careful about judging my mom, listener. I don't, I'm not trying to assign blame to anybody in particular. It was just a crummy idea that happened. Probably the best way to avoid it is don't get divorced. Yeah, that's 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 a good way. To, that's, <laughs> I just thought Step I'd one. say something helpful. You know? So helpful. <laughs> I'll be sure I'd let my mom and dad know that. Um, the only way I knew how to deal with it was to be completely detached, cynical, sarcastic, obnoxious mm-hmm. teenage Nathan. And so that's what I was. And I was just like a Grinch. I hated Christmas. I made fun of everything. You know, it was really sharp. And our get-togethers were very bitter because my younger brothers, and to my shame, my younger brothers followed in my footsteps. And we just became a family that that was really nasty to each other. And then in... My 20s, you know, once once that was all done, I just didn't really celebrate Christmas because it was too painful. Mm-hmm. And I just wouldn't, there wasn't any reason, you know. Our family was apart. My brother was in the Marines for several years. You know, there just wasn't, sometimes I'd get invited to a church family's house and I'd go and I'd enjoy myself. But, but we didn't, you were the fifth wheel. I was the fifth wheel and I would feel a little bit like an outsider. I'd see mm-hmm. everybody else's joy. I would envy it. Cut to a couple of years ago. I started to come out of being a complete cynic for all kinds of reasons, just God's grace. I started to appreciate what was nice about Christmas. And I do mean nice. I don't mean what was transcendently good. I just mean getting together with family, colored lights. I I just started to like that stuff. And then I got married last year or a few months ago. But last year was the first year that I had a girlfriend slash fiance. And so it was good. I liked it. I used to, every Christmas through through my 20s, I'd say, without fail, Christmas Day would come, it would be empty, it would be lonely, and I would think that I had a really hard shell, but then at some point during the day, I'd start crying because I missed my dad, basically, and I missed 
our family being together. Like it was always, it was the day where I dealt with all the demons of my past. The day, Christmas Day, December 25th was always that. And it would be tempting to use alcohol that day quite a bit. But this is the first year that I didn't cry on December 25th, this last Christmas. And it was simply because I had something to do. I had, I guess she was just my girlfriend at this time. But, you know, we had houses to go to and things to do and presents to buy for each other. And it was fun. You bought a ring. Yeah. I also bought an engagement ring. But For your slasher girlfriend? For for my slasher girlfriend. Yeah. What do you say, slasher girlfriend? Girlfriend slash fiance oh girlfriend oh oh oh. yeah my girlfriend slashed my fiance and then i had to choose between the two of them Uh, (laughs) i went with the fiance Uh, but uh so here's my question now let's just let me just let's just make this therapy time with nathan because i think it'll be the easiest way to have this conversation actually and maybe we'll turn it into therapy time with jake if jake wants to but uh oh i want to I, i thought you might but now i'm facing my first year as a married man with a wife and we have to decide what it's going to look like and maybe my question is as simple as how do you as a as a newly as newlyweds or as a family how do you approach setting traditions like i don't know i know that i'm happy i'm excited about it again you know like it's it's actually a thing of joy i'm almost i'm kind of because this is the way i am i'm anticipating it being a letdown um, I'm anticipating it being good. And then I'm telling myself, well, Nathan, actually, it probably won't be that good. So, but I'm trying to think about what I want to do. Like what, 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 what should we, should, sh- how do we set good traditions? How do we begin things that will be good for our children if God blesses them? And I'm not sure whether I want to give that too much thought or whether it's, you know, is it something that I just let happen? And this ex- obviously extends beyond Christmas. Is it something that I just let happen? In terms of some of these kinds of traditions and stuff, I, I know I have to be proactive about my about my marriage, about setting precedents and all that sort of thing. But I don't know. Maybe the question is as simple as how do you begin to wrap your head around that as the leader of a family, or even as a wife and mother in a family? One of the things Tim said was music. I actually did want to comment on that, but I can comment on it in relation to what you just asked. And I think about how music has been a part of the Advent all through my life, but it's just grown and grown and grown. There's such a wonderful resource of music about Christ's birth. And even in the recent years when the guys from our church have done the CDs about mm. Christ's birth, and I, those things are fantastic. That video over in the mill. We should just throw in a plug. What are the names of those CDs? Uh, All the Bell Shall Ring and Repeat the Sounding Joy by the Good Shepherd Band. Yeah, look those up. And so those things, you know, one of my daughters just posted on Facebook, has anyone started listening to Christmas music yet? Mm -hmm. I didn't read if anybody responded, but uh, that's kind of a question people have. It's kind of the thing they talk about. If you started listening to Christmas music yet, uh, did you notice that Menards has their Christmas displays up in the store? You know, all those kinds of things. People are like, it's way too early, you know, or whatever. But, But with music... It brings such a an abundance of just you can't listen to that stuff and not feel joy, thankful. This is this is stuff to celebrate about, and the music just carries you in it. So I would say one thing that you can do, a tradition to start, is just to start to engage in all the kinds of music. You know, we we have those CDs. There are lots of other Tim was mentioning other things I never knew about Jesus Christ the Apple Tree till I moved here. I was listening to that two months ago. 
because I don't think you just have to listen to it at Christmas. Mm -hmm. But I found this really good recording of it, and I was listening to it. It was just amazing. So start gathering your playlist for your home. And then if and when God blesses you with children, introduce your children to the playlist, to to sing along at church, you know, the Christmas musical, in worship, singing with Christmas songs on the radio. Introduce your children to all of that good stuff musically. And they will have that. That alone will be, as Tim already said, that alone is, a, is his number one or pretty close, you said. Did you say it's your number one thing? Music. About Christmas. Yeah, oh, music. yeah, absolutely. Yep. Good place to start. Yep. I think what I'd say about both of you, you know, and your traditions is that a lot of the reasons that we find Christmas difficult now is because of the breakup of families. Mm. And <laughs> even if your family is not a broken family, even with intact families, families make it difficult. Every single year, Mary Lee and I would go back to Bartlett and Wheaton, and we would stay with our two sets of parents and bounce between the homes. And at Mary Lee's home, there were nine siblings and their spouses and all mm-hmm. their children. And so I don't even remember when Mary Lee and I began to have any Christmas ourselves. Every single year until just a few years ago, we would get in the car typically Christmas Eve after I had preached at the Christmas Eve service, and we would drive to Wheaton. And so one of the things we have to say is, don't be a jerk. Because if we're all selfish and we refuse to go to our parents' house or refuse to be with our in-laws or whatever it is, even if it relieves us, it won't make our children happy because they love being with their cousins. And so you have to find a balance between pleasing your parents, pleasing your wife's parents, pleasing your children, and establishing traditions. And those things are often in competition with each other. One thing I'd give advice as far as if you want to ruin a holiday, listen to your mother complaining about how you go over to your mother-in-law's house more than you come to her house. That will absolutely torch any happiness at holidays if you allow your parents to play off each other and to be jealous and angry, you have to absolutely shut that down with your in-laws or with your own mother. Don't ever allow your parents to corrupt you by being selfish and leveraging this and that to get you to go with them versus, I'm sorry, but you have to fight that. You can't allow that corruption into your holiday season. Why are you guys getting all these sort of looks on your face? <laughs> <laughs> well, the look on my face is, <laughs> it's one of pain that's all (laughs) and it's not just pain it's for me as you say that i'm like yeah that's true that's real if your parents are divorced that's what you grow up with anyway no i remember some happy christmases i was probably three or four years old Um, i remember my family being all together and my mom's dad showing up at my great-grandparents house dressed as santa claus but my parents divorced when i was about started when I was five, finished when I was six. Most of my childhood was spent caught in the middle trying to make everybody happy. You have a, uh, there's so much wrapped up in Christmas and family and the sentimentality of the family all being together. What you have in a lot of divorce homes and what you had in mind was everybody wants that for themselves and wants to punish everybody for it not being possible. 
and the kids often get caught in the middle and end up being the ones who are punished every year. And so you want these traditions, you want this to be together, you want it to work. Kids get caught in the middle. And I spent a lot of my life feeling caught in the middle uh, from a really young age of just the pressures of like, dad wants to have his traditions. He wants to read Twas the Night Before Christmas. He wants to read Luke 2. He wants to whatever. Mom's out in the cul-de-sac waiting while he's trying to get it in. And then you get in the car and then we're all unhappy and angry about it or whatever it is. And so that's, a, and then you go to Christmas Eve service and then everybody there is just like, Susie wants a, a puppy and dad wants a nice tie and we all want the, to have a bishop's wife kind of evening. And uh, nobody's willing to deal with the tension and pressure that, that you feel. All right. So I want to respond to that. Number one, I want to speak to divorced parents. If you have been subjected to divorce, or if you have sinned and divorce is the consequence, you must not fight through your children. It's horrendous. And I see this all the time in the church. I mean, Max and I are looking at each other while we listen to Jake, and it's so utterly depressing to think that that's a child's experience of Christmas. And, you know, I remember my friend... Well, any time, for that matter. Any, well, but, any way, yes, of yeah, course it's yeah, worse, but yeah. every way we leverage our children to make our, our ex pay, and it, you it, know, it's just and like it horrible. Just, yeah, and it is, it is, it is never-ending, and it's only getting worse because now we have the courts and the... We have the courts making decisions about who's at what house on what holiday and stuff. Well, and that's... It's in, that's my whole life. It's Every insanity. holiday, everything, every detail of my life, because my parents could never come to terms, was determined by the courts. Down to the fact that I'm of age and the, the courts determine what amount of money my mom pays, what amount of money my dad pays, and what amount of money I pay if I choose to go to college. They don't get to say no. They don't get to say he's on his own. They don't get to say anything. I don't get to say it. I'm on my own. Okay. Every aspect okay, of your so, life. Okay. So let me say this. More and more, it's clear to me that we as Christians have to be very careful whom we marry, and we have to make sure that our children and our wives love us, because love is the currency that inoculates the Christian home against the courts taking it over. And I don't mean never discipline your children. I don't mean don't say no to your wife. If you do that, I'm sure your children and your wife won't love you, actually. Mm -hmm. So if you're that stupid that you think that's the way to get them to love you, knock yourself out, dude. I'll see you in 10 years. But coming back to the issue, we have to work hard to love our wives and to get our wives to love us. And we have to marry well, not obsessively, not perfectionistly. Actually, I, I think marrying well is overrated. I actually think matchmaking and arranged marriages and stuff would have as good a... Maybe better. <clears throat> yeah. But what, what I'm hearing about Christmas really grieves me, because if that's the reality of adult parents who have children and yet still are bouncing between four sets of parents, if they both have divorced parents, you have four households that you have to service. That's right. At Christmas time. And, and listen... My advice, and I'm not divorced, and I'm not, I'm, I'm neither divorced nor the son of divorced. You know, I was just reading Amos yesterday. <laughs> you know, 
my advice is do not go home at Christmas. Now, I know that's going to sound horrible to people after what I said earlier, but you owe your children the things that you knew you should have when you were a child. And so one other comment, and I'll, I'll cede to you, Jake. I don't mean to, don't, to do not honor your parents and comfort them in their grief at Christmas, but do that in a way that's separable from your celebration of Christmas. So if you have a few days that you can celebrate Christmas, go and spend a day and a half with them. But then come back home or go someplace and have a real celebration where you begin to have your traditions. And then, in a few years, invite them to join you. So, yeah, this is exactly where my mind went. Where my mind went when you said traditions is boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I really think that in a situation like mine or like yours or like many people who are trying to put their lives together and establish healthy families after coming from broken homes, a lot of it's just about, hey, let's give a happy Christmas to our kids and let's start by setting some boundaries and here are just the boundaries that we've set. We are here for Christmas Eve and Christmas morning every year, no matter what. We're at our church with our church family mm. on Christmas Eve because I want my kids, mm-hmm. let's, let's let our traditions flow from having our lives just centered around the people of God. Let's start there. And so let's be here for Christmas Eve. Let's wake up in the morning on Christmas morning. Let's have a happy family Christmas Eve, Christmas morning thing. And then we can go, you know, later that day, make a drive or later in the week, the next weekend, we can go and we can see all of our family. We can love them. We can be there. We can set that up far enough in advance that nobody has to feel bad about it. Nobody's getting our Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but they will get us in the Christmas season. And we'll be there and we'll try to come to the family functions that we can make it to. Let me say a couple of things about specific traditions. I think my favorite tradition with my family was having a bunch of mismatched people from church home Hmm. on Christmas Day. They wouldn't be there at the early morning for the stockings and recitation of Luke 2 and presents. But there was a whole day after that with a full, beautiful meal of turkey and stuffing and everything. And I loved having a bunch of weird people from church, and they were weird. And they'd all come over, and Aunt Gail was there, and usually there were some relatives, and that I like. And I would say that that's one thing that you can do right away, even without children, is you can just bless people in your home by having them over and cooking. That's our Christmas Eve. For us, Christmas Eve, we have a meal, we have... After the Christmas Eve service, we have as many people over as we can, and it's often a lot of people that just don't have anywhere to be. And is it fun? It's so much fun. Yeah, but people aren't going to believe you. I just think it's really sweet. And I'm not an extrovert. I'm not the kind of person that likes... (laughs) Well, the listeners may not know me personally. So, so, (laughs) no, but what I love is I love that for the past several years, we've had Nathan and his mom over. Mm-hmm. And people that that don't have a family, but we're family too. We get to be family too mm-hmm. because of what God's done for us. People who have maybe similar shared experiences, but are all just sort of trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's delightful. It's healing. It's sweet. And it's Christmassy because it's, that's what 
That's what Jesus did for That's, us, right? Well, and it's what Bethlehem was. It was <laughs> yeah. stragglers and animal poop and screaming of labor and screaming of child and Joseph pulling his hair out. and <laughs> It was a pretty organic time. And then the shepherds showed up. Yep. All these things change as, as time changes. So you're a child and you're carried along through Christmas and you might have difficulty, you might not have difficulty, but then you become an adult, you get married and you have your spouse and then what are you going to do at Christmas? Now you've got to figure it out. Then you have a baby or two, but they're really little and it's still really your wife and you and, and a special gift for the one-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. And then pretty soon your kids are like running around, scurrying around things change again, then they're teenagers, then they start getting married, or they're off to college, and you have to adjust again until you're an empty nester, and then you're talking about what Tim was talking about, where you're, okay, now I'm not the one doing Christmas for the family anymore. I'm, I might be having a big celebration where all the kids come home and the grandkids come home, or I might be going to their house. We might be going to their house. It just keeps changing and changing. And you really do not want to fight over your children and your grandchildren. I don't know how to, I'm doubling down on that because it just corrupts the joy of the season for so many Christian homes. I try to tell people that when you become an adult with adult children, a father and a mother, your life has changed. The children sort of exist to please you when they're in your home. When they leave you home, you exist to please your children, and especially your in-law, the in-law spouses. And so the idea of manipulating your children to make you happy during the holiday season, it's just, the, it, it is the most certain way for you to be a pain in the rear to your children and your grandchildren. Nobody will like coming to your house if you've manipulated them to get them there. But I want to talk about a few of the traditions of my parents. We would go out always every year, and we would carol around our neighborhood. So there would be five to eight of us. And this was up in Chicago, where it was so cold that at times my brother's trombone, he couldn't even move the slide on it. I mean, it was cold, cold, cold. And you'd knock on the doors, and that is a very fun thing to do. Another thing that we'd do, I told you about having guests. We also would do the turkey, and there was always some joke and. I, I'll tell a story here, which is that, and we'd have a bunch of guests. So we're talking huge turkeys. And my mother and father always cooked together. They always fought when they cooked together, although my, my brother and sister will probably say that I'm not remembering it right. But my recollection is there was always conflict in the kitchen as they cooked together. One year, dad took a Cornish game hen and he stuffed it and he tied it and he put it in a big boiler pan in the upstairs oven and got up in the middle of the night and took the huge turkey and put it in an oven that we never used down in the basement that was LP. And so we have a picture of my mother with this house filled with guests, right? All the, all the china, everything's, everything's ready. She takes the, Mary, Mary, do you think, the, you think the turkey's done? So my mother goes over to take it out of the oven, puts it on the table, and lifts up the top of the broiler pan. And we have a picture of her face just aghast as she looks in the boiler pen. <laughs> this is this tiny little fist-sized bird that's tied, that's stuffed, you know. And and we have a picture. In other words, she, she was not aware that she was the subject of anybody's attention at that moment. 
And you can just see it in her face. She said the first thought she had was, well, if that huge turkey shrunk down to a little tiny bird this side, maybe just one bite will fill people up. (laughs) 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 And so there was always some ribaldry. There was always some jokes, some arguments at the table. We were never trying to put on the perfect Christmas. It was always messy. And that's a tradition that you have to protect. Another thing is we actually didn't go to the Christmas Eve service of our church. Part of it, it was we lived 11 miles out in the country, but we did listen to music. We did always have lots of guests in. We did always recite the Luke 2 story together at the beginning. We prayed, we sang Christmas carols before the stockings and, and, and the presents. We had a little child who did his father's bidding and taking this present and this. So we did one present at a time, pretty pretty much. And all of those things, I think, we did carol around the neighborhood. My dad did go and knock on other people's doors. And none of those things are real complicated. I wanted to say one other thing. There are a lot of reasons to be stodgy. And if you become a Christian, you have even more reasons to be stodgy. Everything can be a principle. And I love a quote I've never found anywhere, but I'm sure I read it because it's not original with me, although I've changed it a little. And the quote is, all the preferences of an Englishman are a matter of principle, okay? And so if you have a lazy dog for a father, and he's a Christian, he's a conservative, crusty Christian, he can decide that he's not going to allow his family to celebrate Christmas, right? And he has a principle, right? And I want to speak to men like that and to say, be very careful that your principle is not actually your laziness. It takes hard work and thought to celebrate Christmas. Any tradition that's worth doing is a tradition that is needing to be prepared and thought through and cultivated year by year. And I have seen in my own life my laziness when it comes to the Christmas tree. I don't know that more than once or twice I ever help with a Christmas tree because to me, that's a special kind of horror is putting up a Christmas tree. Okay. I would never have a fake one. <laughs> I love them, but I didn't want to go out to the farm and cut them down. So my wife always did that with the kids. There you have it. So be careful that we don't turn our laziness as dads into a principle. Now, I know there are some people who really believe that it's wrong to celebrate Christmas. I'll trust that that really is their principle if I know them not to be lazy. Would you have any other particular advice, any of you men for fathers in particular at Christmas time? Well, yeah, uh, piggybacking on what Tim had said, you just, you want to be joyful. Yeah. There's a lot of change in your life, and there's a lot of reason why you may be tired, but I resonate with what Tim said. Mm-hmm. I get the tree, and I set the tree up. Oh, oh, then, oh, oh, and oh then, come on. Did you really have to say? I back away. <laughs> <laughs> I find a chair, <laughs> and, and, I, and I just watch while the, the assembly happens. So, so you buy and the I, tree and put it up. Yes. And then you let others decorate it. I let everybody else decorate it Uh, because that drives me crazy. I hate working over top of people. And, you know, and then by the time I've set it up, I'm feeling pretty lazy. (laughs) We, so we drive home from Thanksgiving 
we always stop on the way. Seriously. Pick up a pre-cut live tree. I bring it home. I am not sure if I set it up before or after. I, I make some eggnog. <laughs> yeah, eggnog. <laughs> eggnog. With, with some, some good old-fashioned bourbon in there. Yep. Get the Christmas music blazing and... Or blaring, I guess. Blazing. We don't want anything blazing while we're <laughs> Music setting up blazing tree. in the heart. <laughs> Speaking of Christmas trees. <laughs> um, and I set it up, and it's the same kind of thing. I'll, I'll help get the lights around the top, because I'm tall. Yeah, I, I usually have a little bit with tall stuff, too. Go but ahead. I mostly just back off, and I let... And, and then I'll watch or manage little kids downstairs with a Christmas movie or something like that to keep them out of the way and just let it ride and remind myself my joy. My job is to be jolly, to be happy, to be excited. I would say if you're going to have traditions, prepare, which means if you're going to have gifts and trees and decorations and special meals, guess what? It's going to cost a little more than normal. So prepare. Yep. Set some money aside. Don't go into debt at Christmas. If you go into debt at Christmas, you're miserable. It's just like you'll you'll just resent it. Yeah, you got so to plan to be generous. So set some money aside and live within your means and have your party within your means and do your decorating and your gifts and 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 think about proactively about as Tim said what you're going to get people and don't just live in this kind of extravagant world of what we've got to get this we've got to get this you know fun. Mm-hmm. I want to read First Timothy. 4 verse 4, for everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. As you men talk, you know, I think about the, you know, we haven't really talked about how horrible Christmas is today, and it is absolutely horrible. It is horrible, because it is just an orgy of consumerism, of greed, of materialism, And so certainly we would not, I don't think any of us here would deny that there's very good reason for Christians to think that the only way to handle it is to just completely cut it off. But, you know, think of what the pagans and the godless and the worldlings have done to sexuality. So should we just cut that off? In other words, it is the very good things that are corrupted. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I I really want people to realize that Scripture is filled with feasts. It's filled with joy. It's filled with God's people celebrating his kindness. And what is more kind to us than us having homes that aren't divorced, and us having little children that are happy, and us having wives that do love us, and we love them. And, you know, you can spend your life trying to hide your happiness from pagans and Democrats, or you can just... Well, I shouldn't have said pagans or Democrats. I should have just said Democrats. Democrats. (laughs) (laughs) But no, seriously, the elitists, you know, all all the nanny people. And it is often true that you feel Nathan's jealousy and envy when you invite him over for Christmas. Remember what he said? He said he'd go over and he'd be envious of the joy and happiness and love in the home. We can't give in to that. We can't give in to it. We have to see God's kindness to us and rejoice and give him thanks and lead our children in giving him thanks. Yeah, and I just think for people in my position who did go many years, essentially, you know, without Christmas, poor me, 
I don't know. I mean, I just think of Job, uh, you know, the Lord freely give us, the Lord take us away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It was right for me to want joy, but it was also yeah, okay yeah. for it to be a sad day because that was the lot in life that God had given me. And I'm glad he gave it back to me eventually, but I didn't need to be envying. Well, no, no, no. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? I don't know. I just don't think there's any way you could help but be envious. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, let's say that that envy is a sin. It just doesn't matter. We have to realize that if we have a good marriage, people are in our church, in our small group, are going to envy us, in our families. Right. And so we have to be sensitive to that, but not squelch the joy of our marriage because other people have bad marriages. Haven't you felt that temptation? Yeah, I don't want to take away what was right in my longing for something good. I just think you can let the envy consume you. And I've been there and I want to warn people against that. And I think what you, a better way to look at it is to say, I'm sad right now. It's from God. It's okay. I'm not going to be bitter about this. And I'm going to find the joys that are available to me. And that doesn't mean going to someone's house. You know, how many people are envious and therefore they don't go to the Christmas party? I'm convinced that that is very frequent in the church. And it's so stupid. God has made the church a household. Some of the people you enjoy best when you have an integrated, beautiful family are the weirdos that come. They say the weirdest things. They pray in the weirdest way or the most wonderful way. They don't fit, and therefore they fit. Because the thing that orders that fitting is Jesus Christ. Really, Christmas is about Jesus Christ. It's not about your marriage and your family and your children. And I don't know, I guess we should have said that earlier. (laughs) (laughs) I think we thought it was, it went without saying. And and then we therefore should be generous with it. Mm -hmm. In every way that we're able to successfully enjoy it and celebrate and be thankful to God, we should be generous with that and bring other people in with us. Yeah. And let let Nathan deal with his difficulty because in the long run— as God redeems Nathan, and as he gives something back to Nathan, what does he have now? But he has hope for himself himself, and for establishing something solid yeah, and right. good. And so you should therefore be generous right. in your home. Freely of, give, receive, freely give, right? Of mm-hmm. giving away to everyone the... And the most important gift you give is emotional intimacy and affection. It's not the food... It's not the warmth of the home, it's not the music, it's not gifts, but that you love the people that are there. You really love them. And so what I was going to say earlier about Nathan's envy is, if you have Christians over or non-Christians, whoever you have over who is odd, you should be capable of knowing their temptations, their sadness, their envy, and you should deal with them in such a way that's sensitive to it and ameliorates it. And there are ways of ameliorating envy. You know, for instance, if it's a young man and you're a man, you go hug him, you you know, slap him a little bit across the face, go out and play frisbee in the snow. You have to get him active and then he won't have time to think about his envy, right? Or, I mean, you don't give him alcohol because then he's just going to get maudlin on you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you may pass the plate of cookies. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You want to give them eggnog or scotch sugar. or whatever. The, yeah, sugar, whatever your drug of choice is. So, White what, flour and sugar. What's interesting 
maybe worth talking about just a minute, the generosity of spirit that we have to bring to Christmas. What I find really striking about the pagan celebrations of Christmas is they're not just consumeristic and gluttonous. They're also insanely stingy at the same time. We live in a very cold, cold city in the Midwest. I mean, just you we live in a liberal academic town. A very liberal yeah. academic town that is full of people who hate God. You can't go out at Christmas time in the Christmas season and drive around and see lights with your, oh, yeah. with your pathetic. kids, right? It's you can't hear pathetic. the music. There's no, like the idea of caroling in my neighborhood is like, I can probably pick out maybe one or two houses where they might open the door or be happy. I took the incandescent Meredith for a drive to see the Christmas lights and we might as well have gone out in September. I mean, it was just, it was sad. Anyway. Yeah. And it's part of like the stinginess of it all, right? Like people aren't, they want presents and they want to like do the things, but they don't want to celebrate it. There's it's nobody more stingy than a liberal. Yeah. That was supposed to be a joke. Well, <laughs> it really, we live with it enough that it it's hurts. Just too, yeah, it's too true. Oh man. That's what I was, where my mind went when uh, Max was talking about preparing yourself to be generous and generous right. of spirit, you know, with everything, with people, with everybody who's in your home, Tim being generous emotionally with people. And I was just thinking about how cold people are. Yeah. I guess I would have to be too, if I didn't have Christ. I mean- Maybe it's cheesy or something to say it, but we have an abundance that we can give from that they just they just can't. One of the things in marriage counseling you have to be careful about is the fact that people that grow up in broken homes, when they get married, if they have a fight, they think they're going to get divorced too. Mm-hmm. And so I want to warn people that if you grew up in a broken home and you're trying to set traditions, one of the traditions there is in our home and was in my parents' home also. Not in my wife's home, but that's not a strength but hold on, was the tradition of having a good knockdown, drag-out argument. In the Bailey home, being from Philadelphia and not from the Midwest, we had arguments, all right? Uh, one of the things we remember is that whenever Betty Elliott came to visit us, Elizabeth Elliott, this is a family friend, she and my dad, they would go at it hammering tongs, and I mean intensely. Now, you might wonder, why on earth would you say that it's a good thing to have an argument? And my response is, because it will happen. It will happen. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in this one night. And inevitably, there's going to be a child and a parent who just thinks that everybody else just trampled on their fun time. And so they will find something to argue about. There will be a game and the rules have been broken. Okay, you know, you know, it could be a game. And so what we have to realize is that Jesus came to save sinners and that at Christmas time we're sinners. And we have to be good at forgiving each other and being philosophical about disappointments and arguments. They're going to happen. Yeah. You were talking earlier about how your Christmas time growing up was always a mess. And it was always a mess because it was healthy and there wasn't an expectation or a need for it to be perfect, right? We're generous of spirit, we're sinners. It doesn't have to be perfect. Well, when you grow up in a broken home and everything is a mess, then everybody's trying to make it perfect or pretend like it's perfect. And when you try to recover from that, you face the same pressure of trying to create something that's perfect for your kids. And that is a sure way of oppressing absolutely everybody and ruining it all. You have to be (laughs) 
open-handed and free and let it be a glorious mess. Yeah. For there to be any joy for anybody in it all. Yeah. Good word. It's okay if the turkey's dry. It's okay if the pie's not done. Yep. And it's it's like eating the but you know, it's, a little bit of raw crust. I like it's more like cobbler that way. It's we don't not need to o- break down and cry when the fudge doesn't turn out just it's right. It's not okay if the stuffing is dry. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the one. Honestly. That's the I one. The stuff, yeah. It's not okay if you stuffing. put oysters in your stuffing. I keep thinking of this C.S. Lewis quote that I always think of, which Warhorn listeners will know I'm not a C.S. Lewis fanboy, but there's just this little section in Mere Christianity where he talks about the person who clings on to his romantic dream of what it's like to fly will never become a pilot. In order to become a pilot, you die to that dream and you learn the lasting and quieter joys actually doing the thing mm-hmm. what um fools rush in where angels dare to fear. whatever fear to tread um what advice would we give to mothers and wives for christmas we said fathers earlier so i figure we better cover the fair sex i, I already gave mine which was don't cry if don't the cry fudge if, doesn't turn if, if the fudge doesn't turn yeah, out don't cry do, do cry if the tur- if the stuffing's dry that was max's no that was tim's, tim's. Oh, tim's i don't like stuffing tim's. you know i don't know I don't know what I would say to a wife whose husband is a lazy dog and doesn't lead his family in mirth. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul. God rest ye. In other words, the theme of joy is to be prominent at Christmas. So you have a husband who's a, what would the word be? A sad sack or a naysayer or just- Dure. A Grinch. Dure. Yeah, a Grinch. It just- and I told you earlier that my dad was bah humbug, but he made valiant efforts. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if we're giving him bah humbug gifts, he copped to it. But I think that generally the most important thing for a mother is that she do what my mother-in-law did. And that is my mother-in-law never stopped serving the family. She never stopped serving the family. She got up in the morning and served. She served until she went to bed. She served breakfast. She served lunch. She served dinner. And she was never complaining about it. It gave her joy. And what we would hope would be that the father would be the circus ringleader in the celebrations and the stupidity and the arguments and the discussions and the singing, you know, that he would have some initiative in whatever direction he's prone. And and by the way, about the father's Whatever your tradition is, make sure it's something you like, because if you don't like it, it's stupid. And so it doesn't matter what other people do. Whatever you like, that's what your children will like. But the mother should not be punishing the children for being happy because their father is being a fool. I don't know what to say, but... I can say something about that, as I've been in a position to observe this kind of thing. I think there's a kind of mother that attempts to compensate for her absent husband or husband who's there but absent or husband who's just dour. I think there's a mother that attempts to compensate in a loud, oppressive, shrill, I'm compensating, I'm really scared, and I'm trying really hard here. Mm -hmm. And I think that that never, that just never works. Mm -hmm. That's just oppressive and it's disrespectful to the husband, actually. I think there's a quiet, gentle, first Peter kind of a way that you can gently compensate for that Mm -hmm. guy and allow the kids some joy. But, you know, maybe you'll be sending them into the other room instead of making them be as loud as possible in front of sad sack 
You know what I mean? I, I, I can't speak to any specific situation, but... There's a way of leading in a feminine way and a way of leading in a masculine way. Yeah. And you and think, think if your husband isn't... Yeah, yeah just, the, worst, the worst thing you could do is uh, oppress, try and get your revenge on the husband through Christmas cheer. You know, like, you're a sad sack and now's my chance where you have to pretend to be happy. And so I'm just going to make sure you know my one thing is that i'm gonna grit my teeth and make sure the kids have a good time and it's like that's not gonna win the husband it's not gonna make the kids happy it will succeed in making everyone as miserable as you are 364 days out of the year yeah exactly (laughs) i i think i would say that all of our wives all the the women who would be hosts and being generous with their homes they're going to be doing a lot of martha work Mm -hmm. busy about taking care of this and and that's what they're going to have to do that that is what they would normally do in those situations but they want to they want to have some merry time they want to have some time of of having good interaction of enjoying the time so plan that in i think plan it into your celebrations talk to your husband and plan it into your celebrations so that you know you buy you cook your turkey in a throwaway thing and use you don't have to get every bit. You can if you want to, but if it means you're going to be doing nothing but resenting the day and and you're slaving over it, okay. Don't put the china out. Put out china, china you're gonna paper have a, plates. If you're going to have a Christmas Eve party that goes until midnight or one in the morning, you're going to be left between a choice of doing the dishes or having so that you can have nice plates for everybody, or just using styrofoam plates. Paper plates. Yeah, and if you're a guest, be helpful. And also, I would say to to wives and husbands, conspire together to be deliberate to make the time have what what's the word improvements. In other words, you have to think about conversations and you have to think about things sometimes to get people to talk or create ways to do it. One thing that we've had a, a lot of fun with the last couple of years is we've started buying inexpensive puzzles. And there's always this puzzle going at celebrations in one corner, and people can sit down and they can work on the puzzle. Yeah, that's a big thing with and the And they tailors. can walk away and they can yeah. not work on the puzzle, but pu- the puzzle is fun because there's conversation and it's fun. That's good. You know, being, being intentional and, and having fun. One of the things Mr. Taylor did was Mr. Taylor would take all of the grandchildren out to, to bowl. This is your father-in-law, if people aren't tracking. Since he had 28 grandchildren, there were a lot of kids that went along. And then as they had their own children, great-grandchildren. So that was a wonderful tradition that actually I'm trying to carry on now when we get together up in Michigan over New Year's Day. And that's a way of giving the children, I mean, not the children, that's a way of giving the women a rest. That they can go out for tea or for coffee or for donuts, Starbucks, they can go... Actually, this last year, I think they all went down to a sort of a whodunit that's in a room. Like a mystery (laughs) escape room. It wasn't a dinner. Yeah, escape room. That's Mm -hmm. what it was. And they just loved it, you know. And I think it was while they were at that that I took the kids up bowling. So there are different ways of skinning a cat. But yeah, that's a good point, David, that you have to plan in. Also, people should do advent calendars. You know, have some... Advent devotional or something that leads up to Christmas to build the anticipation. That might be another thing that uh, we always had a crash, you know, and I don't know what I think about it now that I'm. What's a crash? Um, it's a C-R-E-S-A. major scene. Oh, okay. Nativity? Yeah, nativity okay. scene. Yeah. 
we had it up on the mantle and it had baby Jesus and shepherds and straw. And I always loved that. Uh, we, we, I, but I hope people don't, Jesus didn't have a face. My, my step, <laughs> my stepmom had established a tradition for our family of every year we would get one present of something that would be nice to have decorative for Christmas. So, but it was different for each kid. Mm-hmm. So I got one piece of a Fontanini nativity set every year. So I have mm-hmm. this expansive, we can't possibly, I still get a piece like of this expansive nativity set. But each of my brothers had their own thing like that. It was, you know, village piece or a, or a bell ornament, you know, this, these, uh, I think they're called Hummel bells or something like that. Uh, does anybody have any more thoughts about Christmas? Anything that we haven't said or should say or? Give money to the Salvation Army. Thank them for being out there. It's an increasingly hostile environment for them. Express your preferences to the people that control the music, the managers at Walmart. Say Merry Christmas. Bring Christmas into the world. My experience is even in a place that is toxic with liberals is Bloomington. Almost always the response is joyful on the part of everyone if I say Merry Christmas and smile at them. Bring joy to the world because the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. It must not just be a private celebration for the cognoscenti, the people in the know. Then Comes What was produced by Nathan Alberson and executive produced by Jacob Menzel and Nathan Alberson as our All Fine Warhorn products. You can send your questions for us to tcw at warhornmedia.com. That's T as in Tango, C as in Charlie, W as in Whiskey at warhornmedia.com. Warhorn.